Welcome to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. Thank you for listening. And now, here's the Sunday's message. Here's a true story. That once upon a time, there was a newly ordained priest. He was young. He was dashingly handsome. And his good looks were only surpassed by his profound wisdom and grace. Wherever he went, he exuded an aura of holiness. Before I I get any further, I just want to be clear. I'm not talking about myself, okay? Though I can understand why you might think that. Uh, I'm talking about an 8th century monk uh, who lived in the village of Lanciano, Italy. Now, this monk was famous for his learning and his intelligence, but he had a struggle. He was plagued with doubts about the Eucharist. He struggled to believe that this bread and wine became the body and blood of Jesus, and it tortured him. Now, I don't know about you, but I've struggled with my own doubts, right? Uh, uh, There are times when I've doubted that very same thing. Is it possible that this bread and wine really become the body and blood of Jesus? Maybe you've had doubts over the years. Uh, Perhaps you've had so many doubts that you've just said, you know what, it's easier to believe that it's just a symbol. And I understand that sentiment. It's, It's hard to believe. Now, some of you who are listening right now, you might be thinking, like, Father Alex, like, what are you talking about? Your blood, body, bread, wine, I, don't quite follow me. Well, uh, what I'm talking about is this. At the center of every Catholic celebration of the Mass is the Eucharist. Okay? It's this moment when we believe that the body, or, at the bread and the wine, in the priest's hands, through the words of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, spoken over them, become the body and blood of Jesus. The church believes that this isn't just a symbol, but that it really truly happens. Now we call this transubstantiation. It's a bit of a scary word, uh, but basically it's this. The physical, outward, external qualities of bread and wine remain. But it is, in fact, no longer bread and wine. It becomes transformed into the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus. The Catechism of the Church puts it this way, that in the most blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the whole Christ, is truly, really, and substantially contained. Now, uh, for some of you listening right now, you might think that, like, that sounds crazy. It all sounds crazy. What are you talking about? And, and I get it. It's not easy to believe. And you wouldn't be alone if you're struggling to believe that. In fact, uh, a 2019 survey of U.S. Catholics found that two-thirds of them don't believe that the, the bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus. They believe that it's just a symbol. But, as American author Flannery O'Connor once said, if it is just a symbol, then to hell with it. 
her words, maybe not the ones I would use. But she's got a point. You see, this is a high-stakes question. (laughs) Because let's assume for a moment that the Eucharist really is just a symbol of Jesus, of his body and his blood. If it is just a symbol that every Sunday when the whole global community of Catholics gather together in their churches to celebrate the Eucharist, they're committing idolatry. If the Eucharist really is just a symbol, we commit idolatry week after week after week because we treat this bread and wine as though it were God. So this is a serious question, and one we need to get right. And so, is this just a symbol? If it is just a symbol, then to hell with it. But what if it's not? What if it really is what the church claims it to be? Hold that thought, because we're in our uh, week four of our preaching series, Uh, We Are which is about who we are as a church, how we're joined to this universal Catholic church, and where we're going as a parish. And today I want to talk about on the feast of Corpus Christi, which is Latin for body of Christ, I want to talk about the Eucharist and how what we do as a church is fundamentally, it's centered, our worship is centered on Jesus in the Eucharist. So where does this outrageous claim come from, that bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus? Well, it comes from Jesus. (laughs) It comes from the Last Supper. Uh, And we read uh, some of the, we read from the gospel today, which is an eyewitness account of that night on which Jesus instituted the Eucharist. And if you were listening carefully, you heard his words. Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, this is a symbol of my body. Then he took a cup and said to them, this is a symbol of my blood. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) He never said that this is just a symbol. He said, this is my body, while he held bread. And he said, this is my blood, when he held wine. (laughs) In fact, uh, we we look at the other places that we have uh, four primary source documents that describe the events of that night and the words that Jesus uses, and they're virtually exactly the same. And not one of those accounts allows the possibility of uh, figurative language. None of them even hint at it. And so the question for us isn't uh, what's easiest to believe. The question is, what did Jesus mean when he said those words? Now, Jesus says other things in other places in the Bible that indicate what the Eucharist is. Um, We don't have time to get into all of them, but one of the the great examples that's pretty clear is he's talking to his followers, and he tells them this. He says, very truly, I tell you. It's very, this is an emphatic statement. He doesn't say, like, hey, guys, I kind of, no, he says true, he says very truly, like extremely true. Truly, truly, I say to you. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. It's very emphatic. In fact, 
so emphatic and unambiguous was this teaching that it scandalized his followers and he lost followers over it. He was, allow- he, was, he was willing to let followers walk away based on this teaching. And today, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, people still walk away because of this teaching, because it's hard to believe. And yet it's what he says. And you might be thinking, okay, well, we'll, we'll wait on uh, a moment here, Father Alex. Like, how do we know that this isn't the later church putting in, imposing later beliefs that developed on Jesus and in, in, in his words? Well, actually, that's a great question. So thanks for asking. Uh, we know, I mean, setting aside the historical accuracy of, this, of the gospel texts, which we know from scholars are more accurate than we ever even thought they were in the past, um, but setting aside those for a moment, we can look at the, early, the church's earliest writings from theologians and teachers and bishops, and we can see what they believed, and we have accounts of what the early church practice looked like. And, and here's two quotes that I just pulled. This first one is from St. Ignatius of Antioch, writing around the year A.D. uh, 110. He was actually writing a letter against people who didn't believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Now, St. Ignatius himself was a disciple of John the Apostle. And so he has almost a direct link to the teaching of Jesus himself through the Apostle John. And he says, he wrote this, The Eucharist is the flesh. of our Savior Jesus Christ. The flesh which suffered for our sins and which the Father of his kindness brought to life. (laughs) The Eucharist is the flesh of Jesus. It's very clear. What he means, he's he's speaking literally. Here's another one. Um, This is by St. Justin Martyr, who who is writing to the pagan Roman emperor. And he wrote this series of letters to explain the beliefs of the Christians. And he wrote this, For we do not receive these things as common bread or common drink, the bread and the wine, but we have been taught that the food consecrated by the word of prayer, which comes from Jesus, is the flesh and blood of that incarnate Jesus. Again, it's pretty clear. We have other ancient documents by the ancient theologians writing about the Eucharist. And we also have documents that describe what the worship of the early church looked like. And guess what? The Eucharist was at the center of their worship just like it is 2,000 years later in our church. Not much has changed. Why? Why would the Eucharist be the center of worship? Because we believe it's Jesus himself. And yet, it's not easy to believe, is it? But nevertheless, Jesus invites us, even in our doubts, to place our trust in him and his words and his teaching. And and he'll help us. He'll give us the faith if we only ask him for it. And you know what? Sometimes he gives us a little help along the way. For example, remember that 
monk from Lanciano, I, I began the, uh, my, my message with, well, that priest, one day, he was celebrating Mass. And while he was celebrating Mass, he was overcome again with these doubts about the Eucharist. And while he was celebrating Mass, he said the words over bread, this is my body. And instantly, the bread in his hands, it transformed into bleeding flesh. He immediately ran. He told the other monks in the monastery. They all came and saw it. And then they uh, notified the local bishop. And the bishop initiated an investigation and later found that the, in, indeed a, a true miracle had taken place. Now what's really cool is you can go to Lanciano today and you can see uh, the relic of that event. You can see this piece of, of flesh in the shape of a host today in Lanciano, Italy. Now maybe you're not all that impressed, right? An, about an alleged miracle that happened over a thousand years ago. And that's good. Another am I. I think it's good to keep a level of healthy skepticism about these things. But I want you to know that's not the first, that's not the last time that's ever happened. In fact, there's hundreds of accounts throughout history of these Eucharistic miracles occurring during the celebration of Mass or shortly thereafter, including some that have happened in the last several decades for which we have um, medical and scientific support. And I want to tell you about just one of them that's really extraordinary. Uh, it was August 15th. 1996, in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, during Mass, the celebration of Mass, they were distributing communion. And a, a host fell to the ground and became dirty. And normally what the priests do is they take the host and they put it in water so it dissolves. And so that's exactly what Father Alejandro Pesset did. And I left it in the tabernacle. He locked it. A week later, Father Alejandro checked back to uh, dispose of the Eucharist, but found something interesting had happened. The host, in fact, had not dissolved despite being in water. And more than that, it had developed a bunch of red spots. So he locked it up, and these spots continued to develop over time. And so pretty shortly thereafter, he notified then Archbishop of Buenos Aires, Jorge Bergoglio, some of you might know who he is. He's better known today as Pope Francis. Who initiated an official investigation. Now it was studied by multiple science over a series of years who all found similar results. And in 2005, they took a sample of, uh, of the host and they sent it uh, to one of the world's foremost experts on cardiac pathology and medicine, Professor Frederick Zugib at Columbia University in New York, this guy. Now, uh, uh, there's a few photos there, but he wasn't told where the sample came from. They sent him a little piece of one. He wasn't told where the sample was, and he investigated the sample, and his studies agreed with the previous findings by the other scientists, which were that it was, in fact, human tissue. That they had found the presence of human blood. And fascinating, Professor Zugib uh, said this, and I quote, He found white blood cells. 
okay? This is his quote. If white blood cells were present in the heart tissue, it's because at the moment you brought me the sample, it was pulsating. You see, in other words, he found living white blood cells in this piece of human heart tissue. And the only way it was possible for them to be found in the state in which they were found is if at the moment the sample was taken, the heart was alive and beating. It's miraculous. There's no logical explanation for it. This isn't the only time that's happened. There's been a whole series of these, and I'd love to talk about them and, and the details because uh, they're so extraordinary. But here's just a few. Tixla, Mexico, uh, 2006. We've got Sokolka, Poland, 2008. Legnicia, Poland, 2013. All of them with uh, robust medical scientific experiments to support the miracles that happened. That they found that these things became human flesh. The way that was unexplainable. There's hundreds of these documented miracles all around the world. Why? Why? Well, it's like Jesus is trying to tell us something. The same thing he told his disciples on the first night. This is my body. And this is my blood. The Eucharist is Jesus. I want to address uh, something. There's, there's a bit of a tension here. Because even as I speak about the extraordinary gift that Jesus gives us in the Eucharist, that I'm saying this in an empty church. That if you're watching today, it means you can't be here with us to celebrate the Eucharist, to, be, to receive the Blessed Sacrament. And many of you I've been grieving. But I want you to know that that grieving is good. I want you to know that uh, to the degree you hunger is the degree to which Jesus intends to satisfy your hunger. (laughs) And that the hungrier you are, the more Jesus will give you. And and we don't know what the next normal is going to look like, right? In in a post COVID world, but we are believing by faith that we will be gathered again with Jesus at the center of our celebration, that the people of God will gather here at St. Benedict and will experience communion with Jesus himself and with each other as a Eucharistic church centered on Christ. And in the meantime, yeah, even though we're restricted, God's not restricted, right? If God is capable of coming down from highest heaven and making himself present in the sacrament under uh, the image, under the elements of bread and wine, he is more than capable of descending from highest heaven right to where you are and being present in your room, in your living room, in your bedroom, in your heart. And all we have to do is ask, Jesus, I believe you are the bread of life, and I believe you are present in the Eucharist. I can't receive you in the sacrament today, but that doesn't mean I can't receive you into my heart. So come into my heart and live in me.
Now, uh, remember Lanciano? Well, there was an official scientific study commissioned by Pope Paul VI in 1973. So they did all kinds of laboratory tests on that relic. Dr. Eduardo Linoli, professor of histopathology, chemistry, and clinical microscopy. I don't know what any of those words mean, but apparently he's a smart guy. His tests found the presence of human blood and that the relic was indeed human flesh, human tissue. Now, really interestingly, he found that there was no evidence whatsoever of preservatives in, uh, in, the, in the human tissue, which means that uh, over 1,200 years, this relic had been exposed to bacteria and the elements, the environment, and still survived 1,200 years later. But here's what I find most amazing about all these miracles, right? The ones I just named, uh, uh, Lanciano, Buenos Aires, uh, Mixta, Tixla, Sokolka, Lagnisha. These different places all around the world, separated by geography, separated by history, all investigated and involving different groups of people who never uh, talked to each other, had communication. In all of these cases, they found human blood in the samples. But not just any human blood. They all found human blood type AB. The blood type matched. And more than that, all the samples weren't, were, were found to be human tissue, but not just any human tissue. The myocardia. They were all found to be pieces of the human heart. You see, when we gather to celebrate the Eucharist, Jesus is giving us his heart. He's giving us himself. He's giving us all that he is and all that he has, body, blood, soul, and divinity, because he is the bread of life. So maybe you've had doubts. And maybe... This is the first time you're hearing about this. Maybe you believe that the Eucharist is just a symbol, but our faith invites us, Jesus invites us, to see beyond the limitations of our human sight and to look into the very heart of God himself, who offers all of himself to us, to you. We are the church. We are centered on the Eucharist. We are centered on Christ, who gives all of himself and his very heart to each of us. Thank you for listening to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe and share this with a friend. God bless and have a great week.